John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is Glenn Pendley. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Good to hear. Um, let's get started. Uh, can you uh, tell us about how how you got started into weightlifting and, and kind of your just you know a, a brief overview of your journey and everything? I started out in parallel because I was kid from a small town in Congress. Uh, and keep in mind, this is before the internet, before YouTube, all that stuff. So I would have had no way of knowing that weightlifting was a sport growing up. You know, um, I guess I could have gone to the library and looked for a list of sports, but I mean, who would, who would do that? You know. So I just started lifting. I like to lift. I I wanted to get stronger since I was very young. I mean, I remember being like ten and twelve years old. Um, I dug a post hole in my backyard and put a cross stand in. Um, so I've always been wanting to get stronger and get you know just get bigger and stronger, basically. And so that led to I wrestled in high school, wrestled a little bit in college, and then took up powerlifting. And because that was the only weight sport I knew, I didn't even know everything uh, existed. But when I was at, in powerlifting, I I did okay, and I actually went to the 1992 Junior Worlds in Moscow, and there I met Medvedev, Alexander Medvedev, okay. who was the Russian uh, or Soviet Union weightlifting coach for like 25 years or something. He actually talked to me quite a bit and asked me what are some questions about how possible I was things like that um, basically wanted to, wanted to figure out if I was flexible enough to the snatch and so I was pretty flexible and he had me like put a broomstick behind my head and all that kind of stuff he said yeah you can probably do it and so I actually he offered to coach me on a snatch he's got a snatch and so I took him up on that um, after it was over, I actually ended up there being there with him for a few days to learn how to snatch a manager. And I feel like I was introduced to a whole new world because I had no idea that the world of strength training existed outside of going to a gym two or three days a week and trying to do trying to work for us, you know? Yeah. So I didn't know what everything was. And so we got open my eyes to that and I fortunately I always wanted to be a history teacher. I was in school, getting a degree in education, a history teacher in high school. So I went back to college and immediately changed my major from secondary ed to physiology. And from that on, getting back to the U.S., to my major, um, I wanted to coach weightlifting, or be weightlifting, and coach weightlifting. So I changed my whole life. Uh, based on meeting him at the, at the, in Moscow at that point. Um, and so I got a undergrad degree in physiology, a, a master's degree in exercise physiology. Um, and I do want to get my PhD. I want to finish my PhD pretty soon. Um, and that's the plan anyway. So I spent my whole, my whole life. That's all the only job I've ever had as a living coach. Um, I've been kind of lucky to be able to make a good living coaching weightlifting. So 
Well, I know a lot of people can't and a lot of people don't. It was a hobby. I just did a hobby. I feel very lucky to be have been able to make a living coaching for the last 25 years. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> um, so <clears throat> tell us about uh, training in Moscow and how it's a little bit different than... Uh, well, there, was, there, was, there, was, there seemed to be a lot more science-based training. I was, I was used to being in the gym at the local rep at K-State, the Student Recreation Center. Um, like I said, it was, a, it was a gym thing, you know? Uh, people training for fitness, training to get a big bench press, et cetera, et cetera. There was very little science involved. The basic progressive resistance training. Um, but when I was in when I was in Moscow, I think when I was talking to my driver, I started researching, kind of learning about the science behind athletic performance. And that really, really interested me a lot. And that became a major in my life, basically. Okay. <clears throat> very cool. Um, now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're a pretty big proponent of, um, of uh, strength matters in uh, weightlifting. I know there's a couple different camps, a couple different ideas about this. Um, can, can you give me your thoughts on, uh, you know, getting stronger and, and just raw strength and stuff and how it relates to weightlifting? Well, yeah, to, to lift a heavy bar over your head, you have to be strong. I think that goes with saying, it always surprised me that there seem to be a lot of people in weightlifting that kind of gloss over that um, and, and seem to want to act as though it's all technique. Right. And the fact is, I mean, you've got to be really, really strong to clean your front of pounds. You know, you got to be really strong. That's the main thing. And uh, obviously, technique helps. And obviously, as coaches... In weightlifting, our coaches in weightlifting um, are more, I guess you'd say, they feel more responsible for the technique of athletes than the strength, because all the kind of strength is something you have or you don't. But in reality, that's not the case. In reality, learning to get strong is the most important part of learning to be a good weightlifter, um, because getting strong is a big part of it. Um, I, think that, I think that a lot of people have a lot of people, especially people that consider themselves more science-based, um, seem to be in love with securitization. And that gets, that kind of, I think, gets them off track. Because beginners, most people are going to coach mostly beginners. Right. Or intermediates. You know, very rarely do you have an athlete who's pretty advanced. You know, that's, that's rare. I feel like I've coached a few of them, but nothing, that's something normal. Most people are more beginner intermediate, and those people don't need all the complicated periodization. It slows them down. It just stands in a way. Um, they just need basic, simple, I guess I, I, I've turned this coming to vogue over the last few years uh Oh, what's the term I'm looking for now? I was sorry, I can't say it. Basically, just, just a non-linear, you know, linear periodization. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, linear periodization. Just we just go up and lower it every workout. Um, and that, I think, is the thing that's needed for most people. I think doing a 
eight-week program where you go tense your max to the end, you have this big concrete undulation of intensity and volume. For most it's not only a waste of time, extra sand's not a lot. It's detrimental. Um, but people want to do that for some reason. They want to be on the most complicated program that they can find. Even if it stands in their way, even if it keeps them from being strong. Um, everyone wants to be advanced. You know, everyone wants to play their advanced, be advanced, train a whole bunch of times a week, and act as though they're a Olympian. When they're never, never, they've never, never even reached the beginner level, you know? They want to act and train like they're Olympian, which is the worst thing to do. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so uh, in a nutshell, you're saying people kind of get ahead of themselves and um, uh, oh, for sure, yes, hundred percent, and kind of throw away the throw away the basics before they're done mastering those. Of course, things. yes, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think that's pretty you know, common. The only thing you can do as a weightlifter um, is learn a technique, learn how to do a special linear. Get good at it. Um. That's important, very important. Number two thing is it's strong. It's very simple. Weightlifting is a very simple sport. <laughs> I think it's why almost why coaches want to justify their own existence. Right. By making it more complicated when it's not. Yeah, I actually agree a hundred percent. I think there's there's a huge push, and you actually see it carrying over. I mean, I've I've, I've seen this happen in powerlifting and strongman now. Um, where people think that they can't get strong or something, and they're always looking for some kind of magic technique or some kind of magic trick to like trick shot their way to the top. And um, right. I think the the base is just to be really damn strong, and, and and anybody can get strong. You know, there's just it just takes a little bit of time. Um, and but you know, people don't want it; they don't have any patience, so they want to find it's something like fast. You know, it takes time and effort, and you know, hard. Very hard. Yeah. But you know, we probably also strong men and parallel and everything else. It's a hard sport. They're all hard sports. Those are not the easy sports. Right. Um, they're not, not everyone is cut out to be a lifter or parallel or strong man because yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I agree a hundred percent there. Um, so, uh, let's talk about the, the, some of the actual, um, trainings and stuff. I see there's a, a huge um, push for front squats lately in, in weightlifting and everybody's in love with the front squat. And I feel like the, the regular squat is uh, kind of pushed to the back burner these days. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, well, as far as you say that, I haven't really seen that. I certainly don't agree with that. I think, and I've, I've, I've said this for, a decade or more, I think the back squat is more valuable for weightlifting because it's more general strength builder. It's a better general strength builder. Yeah. Um, I have people do about twice as many back squats as front squats. Um, so one of my basic programs I use is you, you back squat. One of the programs I use is back squatting twice a week, front squatting once. Mm-hmm. I like to do that kind of that ratio. You know. I definitely don't believe in front squatting more. You know, if you think about it, every time you stand up with a clean, you're front squatting. Right. You know? So, you just don't need to do, you know, double the front squats or back squats. 
Um, because you're all doing so many already. When you play. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, and I'm not even that, you know, a lot of, I think John, uh, gosh, several of coaches that have come out and acted in print, anyway, articles, as though the low barback spot is the devil. Like, it's, it's basically an unathletic trick. <laughs> no carryover whatsoever to anything. Yeah. Um, I don't really agree with that. I, I don't um, either. <laughs> you have my athletes high bar squat, for sure. Because it usually it does well, it does lead to, in my opinion, a, a better overall leg strength. Not hip strength, but leg strength. Um but, but I have coached lifters that low bar squatted. I actually, my own personal feeling is, doesn't make all that much difference. You know? Yeah. Um, I prefer people. I would coach in a primer squat for one thing. Um, no doubt about that. No doubt at all. But I don't think it makes as much difference as other people think it does. I mean, getting strong is getting strong. You know? I don't care whether they do trap bar deadlift, um, trap bar deadlift. They could do many other things. But getting strong is getting strong, you know? And then the technique is the technique. It's two separate things. Yeah. And having a certain strength ratio between your hips and your thighs, understand that if you're low back floating, it's going to usually lead you to probably be, be more apt to sit up, more bent over, or clean. That's probably true. Um, that's probably true. But it's not the end of the world, you know? I mean, if you're cross-flying and then a little right back flying, that is not the worst thing you could do. Right. You get strong, better to get really strong on low bar squats than remain really weak on high bar squats, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, the best, best, I think, is to get around on high bar squats, you know? That's the best case scenario. But, but it's, not, it's not as big of a deal as some people think it is, I don't think. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, something else that, that kind of uh, you brought up that, that brings me to another point is <clears throat> um, so a lot of people in the weightlifting community seem to think that, uh, like let's take deadlifts, for example. Um, they don't want to deadlift, do, do a regular deadlift because they say it'll mess up their mechanics for the clean or some people say they don't like to do bent over rows because it'll cause an early arm pull and things like this. Um, I, I tend to believe that that's not the case. Um, I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I include statin lifts and clean downs in my programming. Um, I think where people get an idea is it's like they don't believe there's a difference between or you can, you can accurately hold on the difference between a parallel deadlift or a clean deadlift or a stack deadlift. Now, it is kind of hard to convince many lifters to deadlift with a straight back, sit with their hips in a straight position. And the reason is because you can do more weight with your hips up high and your back bends. Most lifters can lift more weight on a deadlift with their hips higher and their back Bending. Right. And we all want to fall away. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, 
You just have to realize that and realize or do it a certain way or else it won't trust forever. You know, I mean, if you, I don't care if you're dead with eight pounds, if it's done in a ridiculous fashion with your butt up in the air and uh, your back totally bent, it's not going to carry over as well as if it was done like a coin. Okay. But 800 pounds is only 800 pounds. You know, that's still useful. You know? I'd rather have someone who can deal with 800 pounds and convert them over to a clean done correctly than have someone who can clean deadlift 200 pounds. You know what I mean? Strength is strength. It's, it's getting strong is never a bad thing. Never. Yeah. <clears throat> um, now, do you think that... Uh, so... <clears throat> Do you think that you, okay? Let's say you have somebody deadlifting and, and they are doing it with high hips and a and a somewhat rounded back, like a power lifter or something. Um, do you think that by doing the actual weightlifting lifts, the the cleans and cleaning and jerks and snatches and all that, that that would be enough to um, to to correct that and, and maybe cause that like kind of blend the two together, or do you think it's you know. That, that, yeah, I, 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 I do think that if you did lift heavy with a bad form for, for lifting, it can have a bad effect. I 100% agree with that because it can have a, you know, your body tends to go with motor patterns that actually use the most weight and move the most weight. It's very hard to get your body to keep a tight back and put the, keep the in the right position. Etc. Cetera, et cetera, when they've actively been training, they're left with higher hips and loose back. And so, I think that it's not like a, a lifetime thing. It's not like a once you get strong doing a deadlift that's not a weightlifting style deadlift, you're you're done forever. But if you're going to be weightlifter, if you're going to do the best you can at San Jerk, it would behoove you to deadlift the same way. Clean every the same way you Okay. And if you're a better weightlifter, why would you not do that? Right. Why would you not do that? <laughs> you know, I mean, we can build the strength in the same motor patterns and same positions as you demonstrated in a competition. That only makes sense. And um, you know, it all makes sense. Yeah, no, that does make a lot of sense. And I've also brought this up to some um, weightlifters that I've spoke to that were concerned about this. I said, well, if you're concerned that the deadlift will mess up the motor patterns of your your snatches and your cleans, um, why not deadlift in a way that's so different that this wouldn't happen, like use a trap bar or switch to a sumo deadlift? Well, Um, I tell you what, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I have to say that I... Don't really agree with that. The reason is because I think I do think that your body has a way of converting to the motor patterns that have been used for the most weight has been done. Some of that may be mental. It may just be a mental thing about I I pull up six hundred pounds this way. I know I'm gonna do four hundred pounds this other way, so I'm gonna always default to this hundred pound technique. I'm not sure how much that's mental or how much is actually physical. Right. But I do know that it interferes. And so I would just, I mean, I would just say that 
If you're a weightlifter, deadlifts like a weightlifter, which is with the tight back and with your hips and positions that you will use in weightlifting. If you're not a weightlifter, who cares? <laughs> you know, it's the best way. <laughs> very, very true. Um, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's get back to uh, low low bar squatting, um, and uh, well, at least somewhat. I know that at some point you were working with um, Mark Ripito Mark in the in Wichita Falls. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Oh, um, Mark and I were friends and uh, know each other knew each other really well. We haven't spoken in forever. Um, but I did train at the Wichita Falls Athletic Club for several years. Um, never really with Mark, but I trained at the Athletic Club, and he was a lot of times in, in the gym. He's in a different room, but a lot of times in the gym. Yeah. Um, he, he never coached me or anything like that, but but I'm very aware of the fact that he is really a big one of low bar squats, and he believes that workers should squat low bar, which I think is kind of ridiculous, considering he has no experience with the weatherers at all. And so to have a really firm belief in that, um, I'm not sure how we arrived at that belief or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an argument that I, I don't see a reason for me to get in it, you know, because I'm a living coach. That's, my, that's what I do. And that's, you know, everyone has a way to think of themselves. I think of myself as a living coach. I have done other things, but that's my persona, I guess. Mark is not. Um, when I knew him, I, 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 well, I think still, I'm not sure, but I think still, he mainly works with, um, like, older people. I know when I lived in Wichita Falls, that's all he worked with, is, is older people, like 50 plus years old, old people. And so, I, I believe there's probably a good chance that that's still what he does. I don't know that for sure, because I haven't contacted him for a long time. But, but I don't see there's really a reason for me to even get into that discussion as far as Mark Rubio thinks this and this. I mean, I don't care about things. It's not a big deal to me. Um, I do know, though, that he believes that we should throw our squad. I've been told that anyways by a lot, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and again, you're not opposed to people low bar squatting. Um, no, so I think my first better for weightlifter for several reasons. I mean, it you know I low bar squatted myself. Um, I actually squatted 800 pounds low bar way back in the dark ages. Um, but I would say that if you're trying to develop your hamstrings, if you're squatting for the express purpose of developing hamstrings. Lower squat will do that better than high bar, by far. Right. Um, but as I converted over to high bar, when I went from powerlifting to weightlifting, one of the biggest things I noticed is that even my ass extremely sore. You know, because you can't, you don't use your hamstring as much on high bar, so your hips have to take over your glutes. Um, do the job which in a low bar. It's done by the hamstrings and the hip extensors, you know? 
So it's just different muscles in different ways. And I think the high bar converts to weightlifting better, as do almost, I think, ever, I would say almost ever, but every other coach in the world, besides Mark Ripito. Um, <laughs> so, and I, I think that high bar is better for weightlifting, but the low bar, I'm sure, is better for weightlifting because you can do more weight that way, and etc. I'm not sure what it's about for trauma, and I have no clue. I do think that low bar probably uses more muscles because you do more. If you do more weight, it must use more muscle. You know, I must because how else would you be moving more weight? You know, right. Um, what about uh, the his method for the, uh, the the power clean? Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, yeah, I I, I don't even know what Mark's method is for power clean. All right, why would I? You know, I, I don't know. I do know. I do know that I've listened to a pod, listened to a, a scene of video where I listened to him talk about how to do powerpoints, and it was it was beyond ridiculous. You know, it was it was not. I I cringe to think that some people actually get started doing powerpoints or cleans, and that's their form when they first start. It's just not. It's not relevant, you know. It's not relevant. I mean, if you want to clean, ask a coach or weightlifting. It's for they do cleans. If you want to learn about weightlifting, ask a powerlifting coach. Ask Lee Simmons, you know. I mean, but but if you're wanting to learn how to lift weights for fitness and you're 50 years old, I guess that's a good person to ask for crypto, you know, because I think I think mainly what he does. But I don't believe he's ever coached weightlifting. I have never seen him coach powerlifting. I don't think could have at one point in time, but not that I really remember. Um, but he's not the person I'd ask about how to powerlift. <laughs> I have no. I, I don't. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of what he did or what he said in that video I watched. I can't think of it right now. Um, I'm sure, there's something that made me think it was terrible advice, but I got like, what? I can't remember. Um, well, I know that he starts with uh, the hips really high, similar to a uh, to a deadlift. Yeah, clean. yeah, yeah. I, I do know that. I, I did see him coaching some girl in a video who was a very strong girl, but he was having her start with her back basically parallel to the ground. Yeah. I mean, that's the dumbest thing I ever think. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Asinine, you know? I mean, how stupid can you be? You know, you don't do that. No one does that. Look at all the lifters that do well in the U.S., in the world. No one does that. There's a reason for why no one does that. There's a reason. I, I, don't, I don't know what they'll say about that. <laughs> well, uh, just, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, I have, I have spoke to some other um, weightlifters, and, and uh, one of the common things I hear is a lot of people say that the start of the movement is least important uh, or less important than the finish <clears throat> once the bar is to the hips. So, Oh, that's, I mean, I don't think that's devil advocate for anything to do with starting your hips high, but that is, I believe, true, and I would say that too. How you pull the bar off the floor is the least important part of the lift, um, for sure. But it's important, the important part of the lift to do correctly it sets up the rest of the lift. 
Right. But it's not important that good lifters will not pull fast on the floor. You know, usually not. Where they get speed, and where speed is important is the top. At the top. Yeah, I think that's that's usually pretty relevant. If if you watch oh, yeah. uh, anybody sure. on the elite level, it's 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 always uh, pretty obvious. I think maybe that final three, three inches of the pole is the most important part of the pole. That's that's hard percent true. Yeah, I think people get lost there though because uh, a lot of the people at the top are just are so fast that when they're not moving fast, they're still fast to somebody else. Does that make sense? So I hear, yeah, I hear what you're saying. So I think you know, that, weightlifting is something that I think Joe Mills probably said it best. He said, "I can tell you everything I know about weightlifting in ten minutes. It will take you ten years to understand what I said." <laughs> and weightlifting is a sport that, in its basis, is super simple. It's nuances that are take a lifetime, you know, yeah. and they do. But but as at its soul, at heart and soul, everything is, is very simple. Pick a bar up, put it over your head. You know? And the nuances are, are very complicated, I guess. Nuance. What are your um what are your thoughts on uh like snatch balances and overhead squats and those sorts of things? Um well I, I I'm a very big believer in using the movements to train the movements. So, those aren't the movements you do in competition. Um, I think most of the things you do in competition should be what you do in, in uh, training. I'm not a big believer in overloading, spending a lot of time or energy on things that are vastly different than what you do in competition. Yeah, I think. Um, <clears throat> and I, now, spoke- I know that doing a big overhead squat is a big confidence builder for a lot of people. It has relevance in that, for sure. Um, there are some people that it's important because for some reason they're very bad at that part of the lift, you know? Yeah. Um, but for most people, having a big overhead squat. Is a way bigger deal in CrossFit than weightlifting. Right. CrossFitters mm. love the overhead squat. Weightlifters, not so much. Mm. There's very few weightlifters or weightlifting coaches that put the same importance on overhead squatting that CrossFitters do. So, I mean, I'm not sure what that means, but but I think that's the way it is. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think CrossFit really uh, put the overhead squat on the map. I, I think it was largely uh, kind of almost dead before that sprung up, and then um, now what doesn't Dan John believe in overhead squats? Great, I, th- I think he does. I think he's had done things in print like a book or something that put big on overhead squat, and either Dan John or some other track coach. Um. And I think having a big overhead squat does mean you're pretty strong. And if you have a overhead squat, your body weight for a of 20, I guess that's, okay, that's good. But it's more about your core strength and your arm and shoulder girl strength 
or endurance, there is about leg strength. A wrist squat's not a big leg strength builder, but it, it would give you, I'm sure, great athletic strength and holding a bar overhead. You know. Yeah, I believe I believe Dan John uses the overhead squat almost more as a right. uh, as a conditioning um, tool more right. so than a more so than a strength tool. <clears throat> which um, could be the case. I don't know him that well. You know, I I, I well, believe I talked to him one time on the phone, maybe, but I don't know him well. Um, I'm not even sure I talked to him on the phone. I think I have. But I'm not sure, but he's a nice guy. I, everything I've ever read about him, read from him, is sensible. And reasonable, and you know that's good. So, so I, I think one of the problems, um, at least that I think uh, that occurs with with things like overhead squats or front squats or some of the some of the different um, like pieces to the Olympic lifts, um, people will tend to uh, start doing like a mutant variation, right? Like how, how often do you see people front squatting, but it doesn't actually even resemble what they would have done during the clean or an overhead squat, you know, it doesn't even resemble how they would catch the snatch. I think, uh, you see that a lot. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I don't see that much because I don't program those things. (laughs) You know, Um, I, well, I program front squats, of course, but, I don't program over the quads. Um, and, you know, I tell you what, you know, I, I'm a big believer. I just, I believe in doing the lifts and lots of the lifts. We do singles on the lifts. We do doubles. Here and there, we do a set three. But my printing program that I believe in and I use is made up of mostly singles and doubles on snatch. Singles and doubles on a cleaner and more singles and doubles on a snatch, and more singles and doubles on a cleaner <laughs> And that's it. Yeah. You know, we squat, we squat, we back squat, we front squat once a week. Um, we deadlift. Here recently, I've been experimenting with doing snatch deadlift on Wednesdays and clean deadlifts on Saturdays. Um, for most people, that's a little bit too much deadlifting. Um, deadlifting for a weightlifter doing deadlift takes a lot of attention by the athlete and coach both to make sure the deadlift is done in a way that complements weightlifting and not in a way that complements powerlifting. Right. So that's a good part for a lot of people, but because people want to do more weight and they want to do things that like do more weight, so you always have to kind of hold them back to keep it. With their hips in the right place, people with the back straight back, etc. But so it's kind of it's kind of a coaching intensive thing. Even though deadlift it, deadlifting by itself is not coaching intensive at all. It's easiest thing in the world. Bend over, grab a bar, grab a bar, pick it up. That's easy. But having it actually carried over to the session clean is requires a little more attention to detail. Yeah, for sure. I think. Uh... <clears throat> The deadlift is so recovery intense. That's the other thing I don't like about the deadlift. You know, Louis Simmons, who I I, I love, Louis Simmons, I'm very interested in him. I started talking to Louis in like 1990. You know, um, I have known him for a year, and I'm actually probably the only with a coach, I am the only with a coach, I think, that he's ever done a seminar, seminar with at Westside. 
he allowed me to come into Westside to a seminar with him. Um, I believe I'm the only way to coach to ever do that. Yeah, probably. I like me a lot, and I think he likely respects me, which I'm happy for because, you know, it's a big compliment. But, the deadlift, he literally doesn't do do that all the time for powerlifters. Deadlift is a competition life for powerlifters. And even Lou doesn't do that every week for powerlifters because he, he said it's so recovery intensive. Right. Take so much recovery that you're almost better off to do different kinds of squats to build the deadlift and not deadlifting every week. You know, and for weightlifting, doing heavy deadlifts once twice a week, um, you have to really be careful because it can just take too much recovery. Um, it, it's kind of a, one of those exercises that is great, but if you can recover for it. But a lot of times people will do too much of it and have to back off because they can't recover. And so. Yeah, I think that's um, that's becoming a lot more evident too, um, especially in, in strongman. Um, there, are, there are numerous strongmen that, that only deadlift heavy every other week or every 10 days or so um, for, for that very purpose. Um, it does take a lot out of you. And um Especially, yeah, you know, the real thing is a little different because we're definitely a different way. Obviously, the weights are going to be lower because we're, you know, developing like a clean or a snatch. But still, even done doing that, um, I do see that most people doubling twice a week is too much, and doubling once a week is only a, is only accomplishable by going really raining in a weight sometimes. Yeah, by going, going hard. One of the PRs every morning cycle, the deadlift for a here is probably not the best thing. It requires some thought, basically. <clears throat> yeah, especially, um, I think it's a little, uh, it's a little easier for the strongman because of the carryover to a lot of the other events, and it doesn't take as much away from, uh, you know, lifting stones and things like that. But if if you have to clean and, and snatch and stuff every day. And, and the deadlift, the deadlift can be very, very, very detrimental to that uh, whole process. Yes, exactly. And that's one, that's one of the things about weightlifting that I think a lot of people, powerlifters, probably strongmen, just don't understand. Um, because it's not your sport. So why would you understand it? But the, the a snatch especially, and the banana cleaner, both both of them with lifts, especially snatch, require frequent practice at heavy weights. Um, and that really almost shuts the door on doing deadlifts heavy all the time. Right. You know, uh, because if you're going to snatch three times a week, which I think is minimal, you know, over 80% for a decent amount of volume, um, that uses up a lot of recovery. You're going to do the same with cleaner jerk three times a week with a decent volume, which is probably what's required by almost everybody three more times a week. To get good at it, there's not that much recovery ability left. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think uh, just the idea of recovery is really um, a lot more understood, I think, lately than um, in previous years. And uh, pe- people are kind of putting this together now. But uh, the people at the top figured it out a long time ago, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's. it's it's so different in age groups too, you know. I mean, you got 
16, 18 year old kids that can do almost anything and recover. But by the time they're really good at weightlifting, they're 25 or nearing 30, and they realize they can't do it anymore. It doesn't work. Yeah. But so much of weightlifting training of weightlifters has come from everyone inside the U.S. It's like a rite of passage to go Bulgarian. You're the Bulgarian program. And everyone has to do it at least once. Yeah. And that's done more to harm weightlifting in the USA than almost anything. Because even done, if it's done, it, like it has to be in the U.S., we have real drug testing in the U.S. Um, in USA weightlifting. And you're not going to be able to sell drugs if you're a higher level lifter um, and compete, pass the test. Without the drugs, you simply can't. The program program so doesn't work. You know? Yeah. You're just going to max multiple times a day, even once a day, on the competitive lifts. I don't think it works. And I've had lifters try it. I've had many lifters try it. And I even had a lifter that trained with Bajia for uh, over a year. Um, he didn't improve. He didn't improve. Um, and so it's just not the, it's not the answer for USA. It's not that answer for American lifters. Yeah, I think it's uh, it goes back to what you said earlier, though. People want to get ahead of themselves, and, and <clears throat> you get a lot of people that might do a basic program for six weeks, and then they want to try to do the Bulgarian program. And right. It's just... You know, even, even an online coach, which I've done my share of, I guess, um, but it, when I was at Muscle Driver, we had, like, five online programs. The one everyone wanted to do was the one that does 12 workouts a week. Everyone wanted to go on that program. <laughs> and if they call and I talk to them on the phone or something... I, and if I'd say, if you do that, I mean, it's your money, but if you do it, I guarantee you, you won't increase your lifts, you'll do much worse, you'll probably go down in strength. You couldn't get them to not do it, even saying that. Huh. They just want to do it. You know? They can do what they want. I can say, three days a week, program, probably get stronger. You better, it'd be way better. You total more. But if you go on this other one, it's nine workouts a week. Gonna go down the strength. Gonna be beat up. You, you're you're probably gonna hold yourself, except they still do it. Couldn't talk them out of it. Could not talk them out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I know how that goes. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of muscle driver. Um, I had uh, Don McCauley on the podcast a few months ago. I know that um, you and him work together out there. Uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about, um, uh, you know, why, why you uh, picked McCauley to work with you and, and his catapult method and your thoughts on all this? Um, well, um, Don um, knows how to do weightlifting. He's obviously a very capable coach. Um, but the, the, the reason I actually got on to the Brad to hire him was because he was had a CrossFit gym that wasn't really doing the best, I don't think. 
he kind of needed a paycheck. And like I said, he's a, a good coach, and we were friends, and um, I kind of invited him to come up and coach with me at Muffin River a couple times. And uh, it kind of worked out, and so I actually went to Brad, who is my co-owner, a muscle driver, um, and said, we need to hire this guy. And so I did. Very cool. Um, now, what about the catapult method? Um, I, you know, when you, as soon as you say the word catapult, um, I'm not even sure what to say because I don't know what that means. Yeah. I honestly don't. I've heard so much about the catapult. Luckily, it's died out lately. You don't hear much about it anymore. Um, we don't have the debates anymore. The debates about catapult or triple extension were going full force like 10 years ago, five years ago probably. But it's not something I've heard about in the last few years. <clears throat> and I think that's good because I don't know what the catapult is. I don't think Bond knows what the catapult is. Um, I think a lot of people that say they do catapult, like John North, don't at all. And I think the most, the most uh, like the most uh, upsetting thing to Don McCauley ever was that John was always talking about catapult when John doesn't do the catapult. He does an obvious triple extension. I don't even know what the difference is. I mean, no one knows. No one, I don't think anyone knows. I don't think you can find every weather coach in America when some say they know what the difference is. I don't. I, it's, it's not a question or topic that comes up. I, I don't really know what to say about it. I know what Don thinks it is. I'm not sure that's what it really is. I mean, when you do a snatch, you pull the bar. Top of the bar has usually ankle extension for sure. Um, knee and hip extension. The ankle extension is probably not that important for most people. Um, sometimes I think Donald is trying to make a point that going up on your toes is not all that important. And if he was trying to make that point, I'd agree. It helps. But for most lifters, it's not the major thing. And most lifters could lift almost as much without going under the toes. Most lifters get more positional change out of the blunt and toes than far height. But almost every lifter does go on the toes to some extent. So I don't know what the, the I don't really know what the object is with Don about trying to make the point that you don't have to go for your toes. Mm. I'm not sure the obvious of that. Well, I think um, a few years ago, at like the height of this debate, um, <clears throat> Don McCauley and um, the, uh, is it Greg Everett, I believe, at Catalyst Athletics, they had a, um, a forum, and they were actually both in the forum discussing this. And uh, the result of this discussion was that uh, they both basically agreed that they were saying the same thing. It's just... Right. And that's, that's what all credible uh, arguments have been going down to. Because everyone's saying the same thing in different ways. It's the dumbest argument I've ever heard. Yeah. Dumbest. 
Because like I just like I said, going over the toes is not all that important to most people. Some people are a little bit will get some benefit because there's no benefit out of it, but not much more height. And some people don't do it at all. You know, some people don't do it at all. So it's like, kind of like one of those things that do you do and forget about it. I think, I think when it comes to that argument, we're all saying basically the same thing. It's like Don and Greg. You know, I, I, I've never kind of understood what the... Because to me, there's no real dichotomy between superstition or catapult. You know, I, I don't know why it's called catapult, because I don't think it is catapult. I don't know what that catapult means, you know? I've never really understood exactly what catapult means. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. We all to extend some extent. We all do. You know, we all do. Can't be denied. And so, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dumb argument. Probably even a dumb discussion. Yeah, I think... Um, but on yeah. Go Heavy, yeah, so back on the Go Heavy days, on that forum, um, it, it's one of the things that five the coaches can get on a forum and argue, work the names, hate each other, for a month, and then the world forgets it. You know, no one cares. Yeah. In all honesty, no one cares. Yeah, I think um, Don was uh, attacking some of these really old school uh, weightlifters who were saying um, that you should purposefully be completely extended up on the toes as far as possible, and saying that the the lift resembled a jump. And um, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but. Even then, I don't know what use it is to attack such people. Right. Because no one does anymore. You know, no one does anymore. And no one really, the best soldiers really never did. You yeah. know, that's a case of somebody doing something on a picture, on a poster, with a 50% weight pose on a poster. It's not what they do in real life. It's not what they do with the heavyweight. It's not what they make their PR lift. But it got put on a poster somewhere. And so someone has to argue against it. Well, I think I, guess. I, think, I, think I would have to actually uh, disagree to some extent. I think that the people at the top and, and probably the people that you're working with and that you see um, aren't teaching that. But I know that I've been at uh, you know lower level gyms throughout the U.S. And I think... Uh, I actually see it a lot where coaches are having people stand completely up on their toes and hold that position and then drop into lifts. And um, I, I see this a lot yeah. as a matter of fact. I, I, understand, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And I, you, you're probably right because I I would think that's the most asinine, stupid thing ever. <laughs> and I'm not sure how I want to do that idea. Yeah. But yeah, I'm always amazed at how. I don't know. Sometimes misinformation gets out and gets repeated five times, then a thousand times, then ten thousand times. Right. It becomes part of the landscape of everything. Yeah. With no apparent reason. And yes, you there are a lot of stupid people because you're living. For sure. <laughs> a lot of smart people too, but there's a lot of idiots. Well, yeah, for sure. There's <laughs> a lot of idiots in the world. So, uh, I would say that, you know what? If, if anybody that wants to tell you how to, how to do weightlifting, 
Ask him how many people they put on the world team. How many of their athletes are nationals on the world team? And if it's zero, take that in consideration. If it's five, take that in consideration. If someone has a good enough coach, they're going to produce good athletes. Right. If they have never produced a good athlete, there's plenty of reason for that. <laughs> Uh, so let's let's change let's change gears just a, a little bit here. Um, I want to talk about uh, grip strength and, and hook grip. And um, one of the things I see is a lot of weightlifters um, will have just freaky strong grips. Um, I've seen videos of, of guys that were you know on the world team and stuff just doing incredible world class um, grip strength uh, feats. And a lot of people um, say that, uh, you know, the hook grip, it's kind of like a cheating thing and it doesn't work your grip and it only works your thumb. And I, I think there, that that's not entirely true because when you see a lot of these guys at a top level, I mean, they're just able to do some pretty damn impressive things with their hands. Um, do you have any insight? I'm not sure i got any insight, but I, I will say that hook grip is a tweet for sure. You can hold so much more with no grip than without it, it's almost funny. Right. You know, it's, it's just crazy. If you get good at it, uh, it's, it's, you'll be able to grip anything with hook. Yeah. You know, with hook. And it is really useful, you know. But I have known some weightlifters who had really strong grips, and I've known plenty of other ones who had really weak grips. That would be my. That would be my initial thought, but I have I've seen um, I've seen some guys just do very impressive things. Uh, I don't know if maybe if they're doing grip extra grip work on the side, but I don't know why they would do that either. You know, I don't know, but I tell you this: um, there was a guy who was really good. I'm trying to remember his name. I, I can't off the top of my head, but I know I can picture my mind, but I can't. Visit. But it was like a '94. Um, like 10, 15 years ago. And he could grip, he could snatch 150 without a hook. <laughs> nice. And I'll tell you what, that's freaking strong. <laughs> that's freaking strong. Now, I'm not sure how he got that good grip. Other than maybe just being a freak, you know? Yeah. And some people are just freaking strong. Yeah, that's true. Um, I've known several people that had really good grips, which is a freak. Um, but I've also known a lot of winners that trained all my hard and did well in lifting that had terrible grips. You know? So I, I think there's nothing special about weightlifting as a sport that would automatically give you a good grip. I, I don't think so. Hmm. 
Cool. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think so. Mm. Uh, do you think? I mean, that, a grip is a great thing. You know, it's a great thing. Now, a good grip will help you in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't think there's anything special about the sport of weightlifting that it automatically gives you a better grip than anything else. <clears throat> now, do you think that the that using the hook grip all the time would hold your grip back in any way? Do you think that? Um, you know, I have always personally been kind of a fan of big grip, grip, grip strength. You know, so when I was younger, I got the Ironman grippers. Yeah. Eventually got up to the point where I closed a three. I closed a number two, like, you know, 50 times in a row or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I developed that. Before I ever did like weathering, you know, but I used to drive a truck for a while when I was, you know, I can't remember, you know, before I turned 30, when I was 20 something, uh, I would go eight hours on a, on a, on a drive, on a, on a load with a load, and I'd squeeze that number one gripper like a thousand times <laughs> with each hand in eight hours. That's how I got a good grip. Yeah. It's driving a truck and doing number one for a million times in a week. You know, when I say a million, I probably didn't do it a million. I was just an illustration. Right. <laughs> I had a good grip because I, I do probably so I have a good grip. You know, but that's how I did it, not through weightlifting. Um, I actually, this will be interesting, probably as a strongman. You know, when Scott Spaith took his senior coaching certification, down with South Falls, Texas, but when I was there, him and I got into a contest to see who could flip a 25-kilo plate the most time without dropping it. Yeah. Now, I flipped that 25-kilo plate like 23 times and caught it without dropping it. I've never ran into another person who could do that with a 25-kilo plate. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who can do it better than I could. I'm sure there are. But I think it's pretty good. <laughs> that, that's, that's, um, that's more than pretty good. <laughs> well, I remember Scott was a really strong guy. He's a powerlifter. was a powerlifter. I think he's deadlifted over 700 pounds. And he only did it like four times. Yeah. And so I was really happy to have beat him. <laughs> but, but I only did that because I had did those grippers when I was driving a truck. Yeah. Did those grippers like a thousand times, you know, to and from, you know, uh, at our trips. So there must be um, a few weightlifters out there that probably uh, took your lead and are doing a lot of stuff extra on the side, or maybe had a history of it because. There could, um, you know, I also I also uh, have some two-inch dumbbell handles that I've had made. And I found that myself simply doing curls and presses with two inch dumbbell handle with, you know, moderate weights mm-hmm. is a hell of a hard workout. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. For I mean, sure, yeah. yeah, just, you know, just, just holding a two inch barbell or dumbbell on your hand is not easy. You know, so if you put weight on it and do curls and presses with it, it's a good workout for your forearms and, and you know, forearms in general, I guess. Cool. Um, 
So before before we cut this off, um, if well, I like stuff like that, you know, you know, I got into weightlifting because I had just been I was a, that kid when I was twelve years old, wanted to be strong, wanted to be big and strong, you know. And I got into powerlifting and weightlifting because of that. That's always been my thing. I want to be a big strong guy, you know. And so things like grip strength, Scottish Highland Games, all that kind of stuff. It's always been interesting to me, you know. It's not like I love weightlifting and hate everything else. No, I think like everything that has to do with being stronger is cool. And so the group strength thing, all that stuff, I think is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, so before we cut this off, uh, uh, are you available for, for seminars? Um, if people are interested in getting programming from you, how do they get a hold of you? What's, what's the best way to do anything like that? Well, I'm on Facebook. And my email is glennpenlay at gmail. That's spelled G-L-E-N-N-P-E-N-D-L-A-Y at gmail.com. You know, I uh, have a website called AmericanWaylifting.com. Okay. Um, I do online programming. Um, I do camps every summer and winter. I do like weekend, weekend, two week long camps um, where you actually live here, either at my house or at some apartments my, my parents own, our family owns. And uh, where, where are you located? Um, so these camps, I put two of them on every year. And, you know, like I said, they're either a week or two weeks long. I think the last one was 10 days. And they're pretty cool. If you want to train, have, have a one week in your life where you go, okay, I'm going to put everything else inside, go on vacation, train, like a professional full-time weightlifter. Do anything. Anything yeah. to be able to train once a day with nothing to do, with to eat, sleep, talk about living, and train. And, uh, if you're a weightlifter, it's a cool thing. And where is that located at? McPherson, Kansas. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Cool stuff. So yeah, if you if you're interested in uh, seminars, training, training camps, online programming, uh, Glenn's your guy. So um, I'll yeah, put the, my training camps, my online programming. Um, I have custom programming where I actually write a program and etc. for you. And then I do on Trainer Rook. I have like three programs. You know that we do through Trainer Rook that are group programming. Um, but the camps. The online programming, um, the seminars, all that stuff's on my website. Very cool. Well, Glenn, I want to thank you very much uh, for taking the time out of your day to do this interview. It was a, uh, appreciate it greatly. Um, it was a blast. <clears throat> um, maybe we'll hear from you again in the future. Uh, this has been John the Viking Mauser with Glenn Pendley. Get Strong or Die.